with the whole church in heaven and all over the earth. We sing Easter hymns with joy. We hear the Easter story with faith. And we believe that evil is not forever, that death is not the end. And help us, Lord, in our ordinary days to see your power and your glory and your love as we see them today, this day of Christ's rising, his living presence with us forever. And so, Lord, in times of perplexity, will you remind us that you are there to guide and to direct? In times of sorrow, that you are there to comfort and console? In times of temptation, you are there to strengthen and inspire? And even in times of loneliness, you are there to cheer and befriend? Make us certain that there is nothing in time or even in eternity that can separate us from your love. And that will help us, Lord, to meet life with gallantry and, and death without fear. And so, O oh God, will you light up our lives with the glory of the Lord's resurrection. Keep us alive in the spirit of adoption, that we may be completely renewed and give our true service to you through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We are having a magnificent time this weekend. Boscombe Corps is... It's renowned for Easter conventions, for which this is our first one. We've uh, been the officers here for a matter of months, so it was a joy to inherit this weekend. Um, I would just thank on the Corps' behalf Colin and Maureen Hunt, who were our predecessors and uh, who had uh, a lot to do in pulling this weekend together, the least of which was having a boy, oh, 21 years ago, Martin? Something like that. <laughs> so uh, their son Martin is the leader of the Pasadena Tabernacle Songsters who have blessed us again and again and again and will do so again this evening. It's a real privilege to have Commissioners Phil and Keith and Needham with us. Uh, they may need no introduction to some, but if you're not aware, they're the Territorial Commanders at the United States of America Southern Division. They moved from Australia. Oh, I'm sorry. I've just tried so hard to be good. They were in Australia yesterday, the uh, USA Southern Territory. Very important. Very lovely. Very special people who've made this Easter significant for many people, both by uh, things that they've sung and things that they've said. Would you welcome them and the songsters and Boscombe Band and Boscombe Songsters who are back on duty? And please... Take a yellow program to find out where you could be getting excited with the core this week. Thank you. Welcome each other. The pleasure has all been ours. It's been a real joy to uh, be a part of this uh, Easter convention of the legendary Boscombe Corps. I've heard about this Corps for centuries, it seems, and now it's a great privilege uh, to see that everything we've heard is true and to be a part of this glorious weekend. I, I express a gratitude again for the privilege of that. This opening song we're going to sing is in, is in the section of the songbook after the, the Easter, the resurrection section. It's very interesting. It's a section called Kingdom. And I think the reason it's placed where it is is so that we will take seriously that when our Lord was resurrected, something totally new came to us. The kingdom, in a very real way, was reality. It's not just some far-off kingdom. It will come in its fullness and finality someday. But there is a, a real sense in which the kingdom is here now. 
Jesus said, not only is the kingdom within us as individuals, but elsewhere he said, the kingdom is among you in the fellowship of those who are my disciples. So we, we live in that reality and in the challenge of kingdom living. Well, salvationist uh, writer Arch Wiggins has written a song. It's 171 in the songbook. And it's an affirmation that the kingdom is here. Thine is the kingdom, Lord. Thou art the king of kings. The band has a special arrangement, and they're going to lead us. Will you rise, please, as we sing these three glorious verses? Some of the Pasadena songsters will lead us in prayer. Let us pray. Oh God, our precious Heavenly Father, our emotions have been stirred in these last few days from the hosannas of Palm Sunday to the horrors of your son's suffering mingled with awe and gratitude and love because of his loving sacrifice for us. And then this morning, our praises resounded as we thought of the resurrection and as we rejoiced in that. But, Lord, we want more. We want more than emotion. We want the reality of your Holy Spirit in our lives every day assuring us that Jesus lives. And because he lives, we too can live and we can be Easter people. We want that for us, Lord, because we want to be able to rejoice with the poet who said, Lo, a new creation dawning. 
Lo, I rise to life divine in my soul in Easter morning. I am Christ's and he is mine. Make that real to us tonight and in the days, weeks, years to come in our lives. May we claim that reality today. Eternal and gracious God, we're so thankful that we can be in your house this evening, giving praise and thanksgiving to you. You, the one who has sacrificed your son that we might have life and might have it eternally. And we thank you, our God, because you continue to pour your mercy and grace upon us in ways that we do not deserve. And yet, out of your great and amazing love, O oh God, you continue daily to pour that wonderful and most gracious, amazing love upon us. And so we thank you, our Father, that we can be here just to, in a very small way, offer something back to you uh, for our gratitude for Christ's death on the cross. But God, we are so grateful because he rose again and offers to us so many things, again, that we do not deserve. But because you love us in such amazing ways, oh God, uh, we just accept. And so we bring to you tonight this offering of praise and thanksgiving. And may we honor you through the words that we sing. May we honor you through the word that is spoken. And, oh God, I pray that hearts will be lifted, that indeed hearts will be pierced, and that we will all be found, oh God, on our face before you, giving praise and thanksgiving for all you continually do in our lives. And hear this prayer from our hearts. So God, we pray. Father in heaven, we are so thankful that we have had this day to uh, be praising you and be uh, uh, celebrating the risen Lord. Lord, we're thankful for your amazing love. We're thankful for the debt you have paid for us and the death you died for us. And we would just ask that... Uh, you might live in our hearts each day, and that each day might be an Easter for us. We, we would ask that your presence would be here, that you would continue to bless and be with us this day, that it might uh, be a God-glorifying day, and that souls will be uh, reached and hearts blessed. And we would ask this all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. This morning we were all uh, inspired and lifted and blessed by the music ministry of David Dunford. And once again, we're going to be blessed.
think the Lord was immensely pleased. And I hope that all of us, in whatever way the Lord has gifted you to praise him, will do likewise as well. Thank you. Thank you, David. Now we're going to hear a musical selection from the Boscombe Senior Band. Uh, the bandmaster tells me it's a well-known Welsh tune, and he has dared me to try to pronounce it, and I will not take that challenge. But uh, it's the first movement of Ray Steadman Allen's The Lord is King, I Own His Power, the Boscombe Band.
Our songster leader in Boscombe, uh, Darren Bartlett, has teamed with his brother Wayne to write a special uh, song called Easter Dawn for this Easter uh, convention at Boscombe this year. Rise up, O fallen Lord, great hope of all the world. Come triumphant from the grave. Come again, your people save. Rise up, O fallen Lord.
Thank you, songsters. What a powerful visual and oral stimulation we just received there. And our minds certainly traveled to the days after Easter when those disciples actually were able to witness the risen Lord and put their fingers in the palms of his hand and in his side. Let's turn, please, to Colossians, the third chapter, and we will be reading verses 1 through 17. Colossians 3, 1 through 17. Since then you have been raised with Christ... Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, Rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, But Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievance you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. 
Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Praise be to God. Has the Lord done great things in your life? Do you want to share it? Well, we're going to have the opportunity this evening to sing praises to our Heavenly Father. And let's stand, and the words are going to come up on the screen. What the Lord has done for me, I cannot tell at all. We're to share. We're to go into the world and tell of the miraculous and wonderful things that the Lord is doing in your life. Not that what he has done, but what he is doing and has done, and he will continue to do. So let's stand. Now this has a little bit of a dance, dancing beat. Dancing. dancing. So if you feel like clapping or moving or raising your hands, whatever you can do to lift your praises and... Oh, the music is in your program. So if you can read music, wonderful. If not, the words are up on the screen. And just follow along. We'll have a good time praising the name of the Lord. What the Lord has done to me. one more time, and I hope that you can clap, bandsmen and songsters, you're clapping, good, here we go, let's do that verse one more time, what the Lord has
victory to the Lord. Amen. Amen. Hello. My name is Tondue Gregory. It's a name from South Africa. The proper pronunciation is Tandiwe Dalila Gregory. And I am single. So if you're willing to move over to the States, come on over, gentlemen. Well, what the Lord has done for me can be summed up in one spiritual I learned long, long time ago. So I'm going to give you a little bit of it, then I'll tell you more about it. God has smiled on me. He has set me free. Oh, God has smiled on me. He's been good to me. That is what the Lord has done for me. He's been very good to me in my life. I was born in Chicago, Illinois, which is about a far flight from California. So it's really kind of sort of far away from the family, which is sometimes kind of sort of nice. So in this case, it's really nice. I live in California. I've been living there for about 10 years. And I moved over to California after I graduated from college. I got a degree in music and religion. And right now I'm not doing anything with music and religion outside of church stuff, but it is my, my real job. I work with mentally ill, doing sort of kind of social work, but case management right now. I'm in school to be a social worker, and I have about two more years of social work school to do till I am finished. And saying all that, I have learned how to smile a lot because the Lord has been continuously smiling upon me throughout my life. And I love to travel, so I'm so happy to be a part of a church that travels, the church being the Salvation Army, because I get to go to so many fun places with the Salvation Army. And I started going on missionary trips with the Salvation Army in 1993. And during that summer, between college, I went to a place um, in South America, Argentina. And at that time, I didn't speak very much Spanish. It's a Spanish-speaking country, so it was a team of about nine people, and of the nine, about four people spoke Spanish. So we did a lot of conversating and they spoke Spanish, I spoke my little English and those who know how to speak English would speak English. I know a little Spanish so they would speak Spanish. Am I talking too fast? I'll slow down. (laughs) Okay, so there was this one man who was not at all familiar with the Salvation Army and he was at the Elateria which is an ice cream shop on the corner and you see I gotta keep my figure so I would go to the ice cream shop all the time and talk to, well, not really talk, but interact with the people who work there. But he didn't work there. His cousin worked there. His cousin spoke English. Jose was the person who didn't speak English. He wanted to learn how to speak English. So I would sit, we would play cards, and I would teach him a little English. He would teach me a little Spanish. And when I got confused and know what he was saying, I would just do this. I would just smile. And so we spent three months in Bolivia. I'm sorry, not Bolivia, Argentina. And I would did a lot of smiling and a lot of, mm-hmm, yeah, like that, because I didn't understand what he was saying. Well, at the end of the trip, he understood enough to say, thank you for always smiling at me, because your smile helped me to want to know your God and learn about Christ, because as you can tell, I'm really, really shy and um I would kind of like, I'm not shy for real, I would kind of like share the gospel with him and teach him English in the same, at the same time, but I would always smile. So he was able to see Christ through me, 
through my smiling. So since then, I've always smiled. Besides that, God has smiled on me and he has set me free. So saying all that, I encourage you all to smile at others because you never know what that little smile is going to do and how that person will be infected. Okay, have a great day and God bless. eyes open, drinking in your strength and glory. In your generous love, I am really living at last. My lips bring praises like fountains, and I bless you every time I take a breath. My arms wave like banners of praise to you. This is my favorite bit. I eat my fill of prime ribbon gravy. We've done plenty of that this last two weeks, haven't we, Sarkstas? I smack my lips. It's time to shout praises. So says Psalm 63 from the Message Translation. Well, smack your lips because it's time to shout praises. I'm going to invite you to stand up. We're going to sing Blessed Be the Name, but it's also teamed with over a thousand tongues to sing. So I'd invite you to stand. This has a great rhythm to it. Now, you've already loosened the hips a little. And if I tell you that last weekend we were at Kettering, And Bandmaster Richard Phillips really got his groove on last weekend. Not. So this week, Bandmaster Howard, we're really looking for great things this week. And Boscombe can do that. Am I right? I said, am I right? There we go. Well, here we go. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, just let your hair down.
Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. This resurrection life you received from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. No, it's adventurously expectant. And it's greeting God with a childlike, What's next, Father? God's Spirit touches our spirit and confirms who we really are. We know who He is. He's our Father. And we know who we are. We are His children. And we know we are going to get what's coming to us. An unbelievable inheritance. Amen? Because of the sacrifice that God made for us. An unbelievable, an unbelievable inheritance. A gift of eternal life. Eternity in the presence of our Savior. Amazing love. We're going to sing together. There is a Redeemer. Jesus, God's own Son. I know you're familiar with this song. So let's sing it from our very heart. Thank you, O oh my Father, for giving us your Son. There is a Redeemer. Let's sing together.
Father God, we give you the praise, the honor, and the glory this evening with hearts that are full of gratitude. In your precious name, amen.
Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Now those bird watchers extraordinaire, the people who climb the precarious mountain pinnacles to observe the comings and goings of eagles, have uh, cataloged some rather fascinating information about these unusual creatures. They tell us that eagles construct their nests of thorny limbs and then cover the the sharp points of those limbs with wet, soft moss. The little eaglets live very comfortably in that soft nest until something tells Mother Eagle that they are ready to fly. The mother then removes the soft moss so that the thorns begin to prick the eaglets and force them to leave the nest. The mother eagle then puts the eaglets on her back and soars upward as high as she can fly with those eaglets clinging tenaciously to her back. And then as she cruises along at high altitudes, something seems to go wrong with mother's motor. She starts slowing down. And then something very scary happens. She turns upside down, and the eaglets start falling. Now, most of the time, they'll start flying. But often, one or two of them can't get the hang of it and continues to fall rapidly. And the, and the mother swoops down and picks it up in midair and takes the eaglet back up to a higher altitude and starts the procedure all over again until the eaglet learns the art of flying. There is no other way for an eaglet to get along with life, for eagles are meant to soar. Brothers and sisters, so are we. Made like him, like him we rise. Ours the cross, the grave, the skies. Time and time again, the Lord has called you and me to leave our comfortable places, our own soft, mossy nests, and enter the scary stratosphere of his purpose for our lives. First time was when we left the sin we had gotten used to and comfortable with and learned to trust the buoyant air of forgiveness and freedom. And there followed other occasions of our lives when we needed to jump the nest and move on to becoming what we were meant to be. God has made us to soar. 
We are resurrection people. We are Easter people. We breathe rarefied air. We have been raised with Christ and seated with God in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, says Paul in Ephesians. We have been invited to set our hearts on things above, Paul says in Colossians. We can mount up with wings as eagles, Isaiah, and we can teach other people to soar as well. This is our calling as the church. This is our calling as a Salvation Army. Most people don't know they can soar, but we can teach them. First, we will show them by how we do it. And second, we will gently but firmly lead them upward and teach them to soar. That is our mission. That is one way of describing our mission. We do it by teaching eaglets, young and old, three things. The first thing we teach them is to leave death behind. Leave death behind. Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus invites us now to embrace his life and let death die. Now that may sound a little strange to you, let death die. We've all gone through grief over losing a loved one or leaving a special place or having something precious taken away from us. Grief is a visitor who keeps returning. Death is real. It is persistent. It's powerful. Why should we teach that death is dead? seems very much alive. It is reality. And that is what the early disciples thought when they received reports of Jesus' resurrection. Why should we deny reality? Jesus is dead. And then Jesus appeared. The one who had died, or so they thought. He appeared, and his appearing said, death is dead. Isaiah would not have been surprised had he been there long before he, Isaiah, had seen it coming and had said in his prophecy, he will swallow up death forever. And Jesus did. The gospel is God's invitation to let death die and to begin to soar. Made like him, like him we rise. We teach people to soar by teaching them to let death die. Let die all the things that keep them from life. Let die the sin that destroys. Let die the ugly words and the unkind things that people inflict on those they love the most. Let die the memory of hurt, mistrust, or perhaps even 
forms of abuse that follow people through life and rob them of their self-esteem and confidence. Let die an undisciplined Christian life. Let die a dead faith held together only by a sense of duty. Let die all things like that that are deathly. They deserve to die. They have no more real power, only the power we give them. We teach people to let death die so that they can live. Perhaps we will best teach people to leave death behind by doing it ourselves. By embracing the life of Christ in all its fullness. By living, by living an outrageously holy life. By giving up all personal habits and obsessions that lead nowhere worth going. By daring to risk some new, breathtaking soaring in our living and in our ministry. We will teach people to come alive in Christ by who we are, by what we do, and by how we do it. Another way I believe we can help people soar is to teach them to expect the unexpected. Our ministry is grounded in the greatest surprise story ever. It's the story of tables turned, death destroyed, life emerging improbably from a grave. Our ministry is grounded in the resurrection. Clearly, the first disciples weren't ready for the surprise of the resurrection. When the women came to the tomb and found it empty, their grief turned to astonishment, alarm, even fright, fear. They were awestruck in the presence of something they just didn't understand. They assumed at first that someone had removed the body. Even when our resurrected Lord appeared to them, some of the doubts still lingered. It was hard to make room for the unexpected. When they saw him, says Matthew, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Matthew tells us they were startled and terrified and thought they were seeing a ghost. People who live in the light of the resurrection are learning to live with the unexpected. And the God who surprises us by overcoming, by overcoming death will keep the surprises coming. You can count on it. It's his nature. God doesn't often dazzle us with irrefutable evidence of his presence and power. It seems that he doesn't often paint the skies with the blinding brightness of his miraculous intervention. More often, more often he comes quietly to those who truly seek his living presence. The amazing phenomenon of the empty tomb did not itself produce faith 
in those early disciples. The encounter with the living Christ did. Today, I believe he still comes to us unexpectedly in the commonest experiences of our lives. He surprises us with the deep, deep joy of his presence and with the life-changing power of his love. He nudges us out of our ruts and surprises us with possibilities we never dreamed of. He lifts us up and he invites us to soar. And he invites us to teach others to soar and to live with the unexpected. Well, we can teach them if we ourselves are open to the unexpectedness of God. Ready to let him upset the nice apple carts of our standard operating procedures. We can teach them if we are willing to let God surprise us so that he can change us. I have a mentor who gives this good advice to church leaders. He says, if you want people to change, make two changes in yourself for every one that you want them to make. The text says, let God loosen you up and take you on a journey that will change you forever and keep changing you. You'll get used to it. You'll start falling in love with the unexpected. You'll even start expecting the unexpected. You'll see God doing wonderful, wonderful things in people's lives and in your own life. And you'll say, this is too good not to be true. None of us has any idea of the incredible things God has in store for us. Well, another way we help people to soar is to teach them that the eternal is now. One of the angels standing by the empty tomb said to the women, Why do you seek the living among the dead? We won't find Jesus where there is no life. We won't find him in our nostalgia for the good old days. They never were as good as we say they were. Nor will we find him in our nervous longings for a better future. We'll find him in the here and now. Ready to make all things new. Ready to make us new. The eternal is now. The kingdom of God, said Jesus, is among us. We can mount up with wings as eagles. We can soar. There are a lot of churches and core out there that have forgotten how to soar. They're tied down to ruts and rituals. 
Their strongest motivation is to carry on out of duty. They remember the better days and they dwell on the better days. Perhaps they long wistfully for a better future. Many of them have given up on the possibility of spiritual revival and expect to know the kingdom life only in the afterlife. When you visit that church or that core, you may even imagine that you see an angel there who asks, why do you seek the living among the dead? It's not an angel, it's a devil. The empty tomb is of the heart. The only death that threatens our ministry is of our own spirits. The kingdom can come wherever you are. God can break in wherever you're ready to soar with the spirit. Wherever you're ready to refuse that nest of complacency and compromise. The kingdom is always within the grasp of those with eyes to see and ears to hear and wings to fly. The eternal is now. When you come through the front door of our quarters, you will see a brass rubbing taken from All Hallows Church in Tower Hill, London. It depicts the risen Christ emerging from the tomb. And as was typical of those kinds of uh, depictions in medieval times, Christ, as he is coming from the tomb, is bearing the banner of the church. As if to say... My true church are those who are forever leaving death behind, forever opening themselves up to God's unexpected, forever choosing life. As if to say to each one of us, I invite you to leave death behind. I encourage you to abandon roads that lead nowhere worth going. I call you to live under the banner of the resurrection. The eternal is now. Friends, God invites us to live our lives and to live our calling in the presence of our resurrected, death-defeating, always-surprising, eternity-bringing Lord, made like him, like him we rise. Who are we? We're resurrection people. We're Easter people. We were redeemed for soaring, made like him, you and I. Rise. Rise. Rise above whatever it is that threatens to pull us 
under. Rise above all the compromises we're tempted to give in to. Rise above the lesser things. Rise above sin. Rise above whatever threatens to kill our spirit and keep us small. Brothers and sisters, consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So we come to the question for all of us, what is it? What is it it out there that you need to break free from? What is that nest of complacency that's keeping you from becoming fully what you were meant to be in Christ, keeping you from soaring? That's where the resurrection brings us. That's what this moment is about. I like the way Graham Kendrick put it in a song a number of years ago. You probably know the song well, but he describes this transition in the words, all I once held dear, built my life upon all this world reveres and wars to own. All I once thought gain, counted loss, poor and worthless now. Compared to this, knowing you, Jesus, there's no greater thing. You're my all, the best, my joy, my righteousness, and I love you, Lord. Now my heart's desire is to know you more, to be found in you and known as yours, to possess by faith what I could not earn, all surpassing gift of righteousness, And then the last verse, which begins with that resurrection experience. Oh, to know the power of your risen life, and to know you in your sufferings, to become like you in your death, my Lord, so with you to live, never die, never die. I'd like us to sing that together. I think the words will be, thank you, the words will be on the screen. And I want you to sing it as your own personal exploration into where you are spiritually. Is this describe your own spiritual experience? If it does, then you can sing it as a, as a wonderful affirmation of who you are and where you've come to in Christ. But maybe there's some here this evening who feel in those words something that says to them, I need to learn to soar. I need to let the power of Christ's resurrection permeate me, mold me to become what I'm meant to be. Whatever your prayer is going to be as we sing this, pray it from your heart. This place of prayer is open. Please let there be freedom to come here. If that is what would be helpful to you. But let's just sing this quietly as our prayer.
Pasadena Tab Songsters now ministers to us and directs our hearts and our meditation. Know my heart, know my heart, based on Psalm 
Father, the illuminating Spirit of Jesus has been with us, and you've spoken to our hearts and minds, and you've challenged us, as far as our will is concerned, to align it with you. And you know the the quiet and very personal prayers which we've been making in the last few moments. And we ask that you will take those prayers of faith and add your Spirit's inner reinforcement that we might follow through those intentions which we have to follow you more closely. We would pray for one another here. We're conscious that there are friends from other corps that have joined with us. And we pray that they may in turn go home to their own core and share the good news of the risen Christ in their own lives. And that more than that, wherever we are, whatever we're doing in this coming week, we may share the gospel by our living as well as by our words and that the resurrected Christ may be seen by all who meet us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Some 20 years ago, a Salvation Army officer by the name of Phil Needham uh, wrote a particular book. I read it at the time. I've still got it. Oh, I marked it all right. And uh, in it, he wrote this. Nothing would be more pale and pathetic than a missionary movement without a mission. I've got to say that our international guests this weekend have shown that they have known what the mission is in the Salvation Army. And we are very grateful to them for the way that they have expressed the Christian gospel in such a clear way. Who was here on Friday that won't remember that sermon about kissing Jesus and what that meant. That was powerful, wasn't it? And as we've been through this weekend, we're finding Jesus and where to find him and uh, and the place of of uh, change and community and, and uh, command and so on. It's all been very thoughtful and very scriptural and translatable into everyday living, which it needs to be. It's not just a head knowledge, it needs to be worked out every day because it's in our hearts. And we're very grateful to the commissioners for coming and sharing that. But our other international guests for this weekend have also given us a lot to think about and a lot to enjoy. Their, their presentation has been exhilarating. Uh, their program has been excellent. Their practice has obviously been quite exhausting, but they've stood up to it. Their uh, preparation has been exhaustive. And their planning has been absolutely extraordinary. Those of you who have seen the, the brief they had for this whole tour, absolutely, incredibly uh, extraordinary. Well done. Well done. So we're very grateful to Songster Leader Martin Hunt and uh, Captain Shelley Hills for their, their help in this way. I would want to, to add a personal word about some of our, our local grown folk here. I want to say both to the junior and the senior sections who always do a good job here, thank you for your participation this weekend and particularly senior uh, musicians for Thursday night. That was special, wasn't it? And I hope you felt it because you certainly participated in such a way that we felt the presence of God. And thank you very much for that. And for what you do all the time. And come back next week, please. (laughs) Uh, I'd also like to to pay my tribute to to Keith, 
uh, Keith Bright, uh, who along with Nigel has certainly gone the extra mile. They've been up and down the country with the, the songsters, and I, I know that they've appreciated that. And uh, whilst Keith was... Uh, out doing other things. Uh, Kevin, Kevin Bromwich, has sort of been in charge of what's been happening here and he's been ably assisted uh, by uh, Derek. Derek up there and, uh, and also Tom helping with tickets and all those sort of things. And, and our Martin. Where's Martin? Where's our Martin? Yeah, Martin's our, our gopher uh, and he goes for everything uh, one way or the other. And mostly he gets it right, doesn't he, David? Yes, that's right. And we are very grateful to, to Martin for all he does. I'd like to say thank you to Willie, our core treasurer. Uh, yes, almost <laughs> smiling. <laughs> thank you, Willie, for, for your part in this. I'm sorry? Oh, yes, I meant, I've already mentioned Nigel. My wife wasn't listening. You heard me, Nigel, didn't you? Yes, I did. Nigel, of course. Of course. I'm sorry, I'll take notes next time. Thank you to the ladies who have uh, been doing the hospitality, uh, and I believe Chris, Chris Stringer, you've done something for the songsters uh, afterwards. Thank you. That is just for the songsters uh, before folk immediately rush off uh, elsewhere. So there are lots of folk that we, we want to thank. Uh, we also want to thank God, of course. But ladies and gentlemen from Boscombe and, and uh, other places around the, the Territory, would you like to say thank you to our international leaders, uh, Commissioners um, Phil and Keith and Needham, and the... Tabernacle. Tabernacle. Yeah. to stay right where they were, which uh, I've done before. Um, we would like to make a couple of presentations. First of all, to uh, Commissioners Needham. Um, we have had the privilege of joining in ministry with them again this weekend. Um, they used to be our chief secretaries in the West, and it was my personal privilege to work with them. But beyond that, um, Commissioners Needham uh, spent a very special day um, with the Tabernacle Songsters, not long after I became the leader of the group and uh, really helped us with our focus and, um, and helped us be unified in our ministry. So we, we have a lot of uh, love and respect for them. And we would like to make a presentation to the two of you of uh, two of our CDs in appreciation for sharing with us this week. And to your core officers, who I understand are the finest core officers you've ever had in this core. <laughs> Oops, I'm not sure where I'm staying the next few days now. <laughs> um, but it's been a pleasure to be here. Thank you for allowing us to, to just come and, and be ourselves and to, uh, to share in our ministry. Um, Val and I have known each other for quite a while. I was a lot younger at Regent Hall Corps in those days. And Val was just Val. Um, <laughs> but it's, a, it's, it's been a privilege for us. We appreciate you allowing us to just come and do our thing. 
um, immensely. So thank you very much. I've got a couple of CDs for the both of you too. This um, past two weeks have been um, intense for us. We have traveled thousands and thousands of miles, and details have been taken care of beyond our understanding. Um, And I would like to invite Keith and Nigel to come and join me right here, please, if you could. These two gentlemen have been true servants of God. Um, I don't know how we would have got through these two weeks without them. Um, They have loaded trucks. They have unloaded trucks. Our risers that we stand on weigh about 70 kilos. And Nigel has lifted them probably 30 times in the last two weeks. Um, They have looked after every need we could possibly have uh, come up with. They have made sure we've been fed well. They've made sure we've arrived on time. They have been so gracious and such servants of Christ. We have seen him through the two of you. And we would like to give you some, uh, some tokens of our appreciation. First of all, um, the CDs. Now, I know you know most of the words already. In fact, I saw, I saw, I saw Keith singing at the open air. Um, he knew the words better than some of the men in the songsters, so... Um, but also, Keith and Nigel have helped us sell most of our CDs, so we, we appreciate that too. Um, let's do the programs. Our program, uh, we have done a special one for you, which we have all signed. They've also watched us change clothes. I don't know how many times. Um, <laughs> exactly. And I promise that these jackets that we're going to give you, the Tabernacle Travel Jacket, are not used. They are brand new. And we, we have carried them with us this whole time for tonight to present to you. But we also know these two weeks have been a sacrifice for you, and you have spent exhausting hours away from home. You have made sure that we have been well fed. So we would like you at some time in the next year to take your wives to London to a hotel called the Ritz and have tea on us. Ladies and gentlemen, would you, on behalf of the eight other corps that we have visited, thank these gentlemen for their hard work.
And now we're going to join our voices together, the Boscombe songsters and the Tabernacle songsters, to sing a couple of songs for you uh, as we bring this evening towards a conclusion. So, let's see if we can do this. Uh, can we join somehow?
invite you to join the mighty chorus as we uh, share together a great hymn from Charles Wesley, And Can It Be That I Should Gain an Interest in the Savior's Blood? Died he for me who caused his pain, for me whom him to death pursued. Amazing love, how can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? We'll sing the four verses straight through and we'll be led on by the bandwagon.
friends, he is risen. He is risen indeed. A prayer. May the God who shakes heaven and earth, whom death could not contain, who lives to disturb and heal us, bless us as we go with his power to proclaim the gospel. And may the power of the cross and the joy of the resurrection and the presence of our risen Lord be with us all, now and evermore. Amen. And as they say in Hollywood, that's all, folks. (laughs) 